to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now, when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Forbid him going to the Senate. To, uh, to uh, account this unrepresentative swell over there. Hey Nick, how you going, mate? Hey Bobbit, how are you, mate? Bobbit, nice. Yeah, because yeah, you're Bob and Rob. <laughs> nice, good work there. Yeah, thanks, mate. Really creative <laughs> on that one. How are you, though, Rob? I'm good, mate. I'm working my guts off right now. Yeah, you're a real working class man, Rob. Yeah, gotta I'm, do what you gotta do in these times. I haven't worked a day in my goddamn life. Yeah, fuck you and fucking job keep, mate. Wait till September. I'm when be cut a off. the economy is gonna crumble and you're gonna crumble. So, you know, <laughs> both are, yeah, they're definitely going to have to do something because, yeah, they have to. Yeah, they're not just going to let the economy walk off a cliff, right? I don't know. It's the Liberal Party. <laughs> and uh, personally, I would like another handout. Thanks, ScoMo. Thanks for that one, mate. I'm you, spending for your it two well. hours work a week. Yeah, mate. Yeah, well, it's hard work, you know, Rob. Mm. I think my hourly rate of, you know, $375 an hour or whatever is like, you know, a bit too much. But, well, I mean, we can settle somewhere in the middle there, I think. I, honestly, that's like CEO levels of hourly rates. Yeah, I guess it must be, right? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I would love to have it. more hours. You see that they released the effective unemployment rate the a few days ago? No, what was it? I think it's like 13 point something percent and it counts cool. people who are like on JobKeeper and still have no hours as well. Yeah, And people who have stopped searching for a job. So there you go, Rob. Things are, are not fantastic. It's, it's green, pretty high. isn't it? Yeah, it, it is grim. I mean, you you wouldn't tell. I just walking around. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if you can really tell an economic recession from just people's moods. I'm sure you can. I'm sure there's some sort of study that's shown that you can. But I think JobKeeper is the uh, silent savior right now because I think a lot of people wouldn't have any money if it wasn't for that. Yeah, you got to honestly give the government credit for that, I reckon. It was pretty yeah. quick. And yeah. I think they they definitely made a good choice making it easy to apply for and kind of not complicated to make definitely, it speedy. Yeah. Well, it was the union's idea, I must say. Was it? Yeah, the unions lobbied the government heavily on it. Oh, there you go, Rob. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I won't give credit to the government then. I'll just <laughs> give credit for them to, uh, for the, to them for rubber stamping it. Yeah. Um, have you heard of the crane counter, the crane index? No, I haven't, Nick. What's it's that? like you just count how many cranes are in a city and apparently it's a oh, really yeah. good indicator for like economic prosperity, like <laughs> medium term or to long term economic prosperity. So there you go. I don't think there's any cranes over Perth. You want right to st- you want to pause and cr- count the cranes? I don't know what our view of the city is from here, unfortunately. Well, you know, <laughs> it's better than the view of the city from my house. You know, we are here in lovely Mount Lawley. Yeah, we are, but... I think you'd need to be in sort of Highgate, Northbridge to get a view of the city. I need it to be a bit higher up uh, on the ground. <laughs> uh, well, I really like I really like this area. I kind of I think Mount Lawley North slash North Perth kind of the goat place to live. Yeah. Perth. Well, fun fact. What? Um, you might know that I'm planning to move out reasonably soon. Whoa! And one of the houses we're looking at is in North Perth. And one of the suburbs that we're keeping a keen eye on is North Perth at that moment. Mate, it's it's up and coming, you know. It's yeah. well, it's not really, but it's it's just been well, good for a while. Well, I just really want to live close to Michael Hood, you know. <laughs> Shout out to my. It's also walking distance from the city, which is is pretty good. Yeah, 
because I, I enjoy lining up and, uh, uh, to get into clubs for hours and then not getting in. So I want to do that all the time. So I want yeah, to be close definitely. to the city. I love that. <laughs> yeah. When's that supposed to fully open? July 19th? It was supposed to go on July 18th, but I think it's been pushed back. Um, really? Be- because of the Victorian outbreak. I thought they just told me. have hardened the border, but I'm not sure, Nick. I yeah, right. haven't really been paying too much attention. Well, you know... Uh, all the things that I need in my life are open now, you know? I don't really care about the clubs. Yeah, Rob, you were saying that like back in like March when yeah. this first happened. You were like, yeah, this whole lockdown thing's actually all right. <laughs> I remember you saying that. Yeah. Look. You had everything you needed. Yeah, mate. You were always working as well, weren't you? Yeah, my hours were quite low for a while there. Yeah, um, right. You know, I'd work like four days a week and only earn... 200 bucks <laughs> yeah that's not great but i stayed on i didn't get fired which mm. is pretty large that's because we've restated this point of the podcast before but once you get rid of a job quite hard to bring it back exactly so there you go good job restore yeah, yeah if you ever want to roll come to the restore and ask the rob <laughs> Makes a good damn roll this guy sure sure <laughs> yeah i don't know rob what's been going on with you what's up what's up in the world how um, you feeling in the world or in my world, Nick? Either, mate. Same um, thing. Okay, cool. Same thing, yeah. I am... The world actually revolves around me. Fun fact. Yeah. Um, What have I been up to, Nick? Uh, I played my first game of senior football the other day. Good on you, mate. How against, was that? Yeah, we won by about 20 goals. <laughs> I kicked a sausage Oh, so drop. small margin then, yeah. Yeah, pretty, pretty tight game in the end. We played against uh, Shitfords, who... um. Their team looked like more of a rugby team than a football team. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. And, you know, my girlfriend and two of my close friends came down to watch in Tom and Michael. Oh, there you go. Um, And they had a funny time because the standard of football that I play is just terrible. Like, <laughs> it's just so bad. Man, everyone needs a hobby. Exactly. You know, this is my hobby, doing the podcast. I have multiple hobbies, Nick. Yeah, you got to have an answer to the what is your hobby question. I think it's really yeah. important because you can't just be that guy who's like, yeah, I uh, exercise because that's just that's a shit answer, let's be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, because like, everyone fucking exercises, you know? I don't know. You'd be surprised. Well, you know, most people exercise, Rob. You'd have a fun, fun answer like, yeah, I run a fucking podcast. All right. <laughs> yeah, I run a fucking podcast. I run an unpopular podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, there you go. I mean, that's a conversation starter, you know? It is a conversation starter. People, yeah. people do, I, I've noticed that at parties and stuff, people are very interested in it, mm. which isn't reflected in our listenership. But Yeah, I find my girlfriend's parents are very interested as well. Oh, nice. It's a good thing to talk about with uh, her parents and her extended family, really. Oh, cool. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff to talk about there. And, you know, they just, they like, oh, good on you. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, damn right. Good on you, Nick. Finally, some, <laughs> some credit. Some praise. Not getting it from anywhere else, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> what about you, Nick? Have you been up to anything in the last week? Honestly, not really. I don't know. I'm a bit bored, actually. Probably kind of soul-searching. I don't know what to do. It's the holidays, you know? Got Mate, a haircut today. You did. I noticed that as soon as pretty, you came pretty, in. It's pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> so you're going to become the hat man for Yeah, a while. I'm going to be the hat man for a while, I think. Have you thought about, you know, getting a proper haircut and just cutting it short? Yeah, I actually have. I might oh. do that. Oh. Because I just can't be bothered with the, like, you know, when you sit down, they're like, yeah, so what can I do for you? I just be like, oh, you just can clean it up a little bit. 
make it shorter. They're like, oh, but like, and then they ask the question. I just don't, I don't really know how to respond. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's very difficult to describe what haircut you want. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So I might just say like next time, just like, like just do a two everywhere. Turn right? me back into year 12 Nick Cocos. Yeah. I'm, I'm, well, maybe not year 12 Nick Cocos. Just, just with the hair. Just, just really just cut it down. And then like I could restart, right? Yeah. It's like taking a strong psychedelic drug. You can just reset your mind and also <laughs> your hair if you get it cut. That's a really weird analogy. It's true. Google it, man. All right, Rob. This what, guy. Do, what the fuck do we do here, man? What, what, <laughs> do, we, what do we do on this podcast? Okay. We, we talk about political issues, Rob. We do most of the time. Yeah. Sometimes we get a little bit off track as highlighted in episode 16. Yeah. Wow. I'm impressed you remember the number. I didn't. Mate, I was just looking at our listenership before we started up. So oh, yeah. I, I hear we're at the, the tens of thousands of listeners now. So yeah. that's good. We're, we're going to aim for a million listens this episode. Well, I, I say a million or bust. Like, otherwise, I'm just like unplugging you. Yeah, I yeah. think I'm done. So. And I think we have found a guest for next week's podcast, which will be recorded on the road, by the way. Oh, oh man. We should like get into that. We should do a whole stylized thing. Like yeah. Nick and Rob on the road, you know, across this maybe, great nation. Maybe instead of the the you know traditional start we get on the road again oh yeah i'm keen for it <laughs> the rebrand it's coming <laughs> all right when will it come nick <laughs> oh soon mate soon right. as, as soon as i get my shit together fair enough fair enough so nick should we should we start with the actual podcast now or <laughs> do you think we should just keep talking shit for a bit longer no we've, yeah <laughs> it's too soon since we've done that before so let's actually start the podcast what okay. do you want to talk about rob uh well the first topic i'd like to talk about is um is a second wave of coronavirus inevitable? And this is obviously in reference to not only Victoria, but what seems like a starting of a second wave in um, the wonderful state of New South Wales. Mm, yeah, well, hopefully not. But I, I, um, my brother works at an office in Sydney and they've basically, apparently they've said at the office, um, like be prepared to, to go work yeah. back home. Because yeah, I think today they had 11 community transitions, which is the number you really have to worry about. Because, um, you know, uh, probably the listeners of this podcast will know, I think WA has about 20 cases, but they're all overseas or interstate travelers and they're all in a hotel quarantine. And therefore, effectively, the state has zero cases that could affect the wider community. Uh, whereas in New South Wales, there is evidence of community transition, which is really worrying. Yeah, well, they just share that hard border with New South Wales, really, don't they? And they've shut it, but I don't think it's that easy when the border is you know, that popular and spans a long distance where those areas are kind of yeah. urbanized. Yeah, and I think there's, there's a few towns uh, along the border where I know I remember listening to this somewhere um, in reference to when the border was locked down between victoria and new south wales there's a lot of towns that you know half the population works in victoria and the other half works in new south wales because they're you know right on the border um so i think a lot of those people would be quite keen to continue traveling across the borders Mm. i think when you when you kind of um hard uh try and shut all that stuff down when it gets more complex there are more people to deal with you're just inevitably going to make mistakes and we've seen a lot of those mistakes like that plane that landed in new south wales from victoria um, where everyone was just let through by accident and no one was tested. Yeah, um, and we got a reference here that Vic- Victoria and New South Wales are the uh, two largest states and therefore they are the most likely states to have a second wave. Yeah, 
and you know most of the international arrivals the people that are still coming back to australia go to sydney or new south wales because of that right yeah and a lot of the interstate travel for business goes between those or from those two states so that is where you would see a, a outbreak more likely across the country right yes that is true but nick the the question here is is it inevitable to have a second wave because we've already seen our two largest states well one of our largest states is definitely having a second wave right now and a second wave that by the way, is worse than the first wave. Um, and the second and our first largest state in New South Wales is seeming to be going down the same route. So, Nick, do you think it is inevitable or do you think it's just purely, you know, poor management and you can avoid a second wave? I think, I think it's really hard to say, but in some respects, when you're dealing with multiple states, I think it is inevitable that you will still have cases circulating around. Um, yeah, I don't think that a complete eradication is really a realistic option in a country as large as Australia. And Australia is not that large in terms of population. Yeah. And you can see that stuff happening in, say, like New Zealand, who were f- COVID free for a little bit, but then had a returning traveler who was diagnosed with COVID. Yeah. And um, they and like they were quarantined and it was fine. And that is not spreading in New Zealand. Yeah. But they still have active COVID there, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's about getting it to some kind of controllable level. But I think the big question after that is what, like what, what then do you yeah. ease restrictions completely? Because, you know, if you do that, then something like Victoria could happen again. If you make a slight mistake. Yeah. I, because the thing we always want to look out for is community transition. Right. And I think it, it's a really tough balance. We talked about it during pretty much the whole virus of, do you prioritize opening up the economy and that economic side of it or the health risks of opening up? And it's a question that we don't know the answer to and clearly not even the smartest people in government know the answer to either. Yeah, exactly. And these are decisions you have to be making very quickly under kind of a highly stressful environment. Yeah, it's a high-pressure environment, to say yeah. the least. The virus doesn't sleep, bro. It's famous no. for not doing that. <laughs> so the other, the other big thing as well is that you know, you're starting to think about this stuff long-term. Because it's not the like, you don't. It's not the sudden shock anymore where you have to quickly like assure people that they're going to be okay and kind of um, manage all the, those kind of fears. We're in it for the long haul now, and you know people are saying maybe this problem will all go away when a vaccine comes out. But there's so much speculation and a disagreement over, about when that will occur, even if that will occur. Yeah. How how effective it will be when it comes out that it might not work for certain age ranges, right? How will we distribute it to everyone? Exactly, yeah. So it, it's really quite complicated. and It is very tough. And I think the, the, the word that a lot of people are saying now is COVID normal. And that's going to be something that we're going to have to deal with for at least years to come. Um, we don't know how many years, but I'd imagine at least be one year where we've still got this shadow over our head. I don't think it'll be that big of a shadow in a year, year's time it'll be like it is right now in wa where everything's open and we just have to you know quarantine those who have the virus hopefully anyways fingers crossed for those our listeners in victoria and new south wales <laughs> yeah yeah please <laughs> um but yeah i think it's going to be weird for a long time to come and i think that's something that a lot of people will know yeah no i definitely like it. A lot of the, I think people, the way public health is kind of viewed, it will change def- differently, um, especially considering all these people have been through a, a global pandemic now. Have you seen the video of uh, our health minister, Greg Hunt, try and put a mask on? No, I today? haven't. Is it funny? 
he just like messes it up for 30 seconds he like tries <laughs> to get it behind his ears and stuff but you know these are things people will be like familiar with like in the uk it's now uh you have to wear a mask if you go to a shopping center yeah you know and like they're doing not too badly anymore the uk yeah i think the uk they're starting to open up bits and pieces of their economy right yeah yeah well they haven't really seen a huge second wave and it looks kind of promising but again it's hard to kind it of it is see. very hard to tell yeah and you know these things are seasonal i think people have to remember that as well um it's winter here in australia now which <clears throat> doesn't mean as much because our winters aren't as severe but generally people were more inside in winter um and obviously covid spreads especially well inside um, yep. But say in the UK, it's summer now, so people are out and about more. So there's less risk of the virus spreading. Yeah. I, I read about a big study on uh, Brighton Beach in the UK where um, there were like 2,000 people on the beach or something and everyone was like really concerned because no one is wearing a mask. But the study identified that like there was, n- I think even though there were the, uh, COVID cases there, it didn't spread just because it was outdoors. Yeah. And, like, I and, think- it, and it was windy. I know that the yeah, outdoor situations are much more low risk compared to... That's why gyms have been, like, closed down, one of the first things to close down, because, you know, people are sweating and, you know, you know releasing bodily fluids. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, definitely. While also being inside, which is incredibly dangerous for a virus of this contagiousness. Yeah, yeah, good good word choice there. Thanks, mate. <laughs> and we're yeah, we're very lucky in this state that we we're able to have gyms open. I think they're shut now in Victoria. Yeah, I think um, they would be, to be honest. Yeah, but you you pray that Victoria gets over this uh, quickly. Although the numbers show that they're still kind of accelerating. And well, spread. this this wave is worse than the first wave for them. Yeah, which is really damning. Um, and I think it'll be a while till they get up and about again. Yeah. I think it's six weeks minimum uh, for the current lockdowns. I know this because a friend of ours, a dear friend of ours, Guy Hall, is um, thinking about going back to Melbourne to do his studies, but I don't know if he'll be able to, to be honest. And uh, that's the thing. It's a really... Um, how do you accommodate to dealing with just sporadic lockdowns, which are kind of uh, very difficult to predict, right? I think a lot of small businesses and just other businesses in, in Victoria will be, uh, be hit pretty hard by this, because especially because they weren't expecting it, right? Yeah. You'd, you'd be hoping for a bit of respite after the first uh, proper lockdown that this one will really hurt, I'd imagine. Yeah. Victorian. Yeah. And I mean, like, yeah, you'd hope that businesses are doing the best they can, but in future, they, if we're looking at this long term, they might have to think about how they can kind of adapt to living in a semi-lockdown occasionally kind of world. Yeah, it's going to be really strange. It's it's something that I don't even think at the start of this wave we were really predicting. We thought it was eventually going to go away, whether that be six months, 12 months. But this this could honestly be a thing that we have to at least be aware of for a half a decade. Yeah, definitely. And it, it all depends on that vaccine when there's so much doubt around it. Yeah, the vaccine is the big one. Um, and I don't think... What, I wonder what the quickest vaccine ever developed is for something like this. Yeah, I don't know. It, I can't imagine it'd be, you know, less than a year. Yeah, I've, look, I've heard, I, uh, back in March, I heard people saying like, oh, if, they, if everyone really rushed it, it could be six months. But then I heard that that's bullshit and it would take like a year and a half. 
And I've heard recently that there's actually like apparently no vaccine that will work 100% well all the time. That they'll... Good. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. A bit of cheery news. Yeah. Um, things you got to be worried about right now, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this I mean, this could just be the world that people live in for indefinitely, right? Yeah, it is really doomsday saying that, but... There is a, a genuine is sense a genuine of dread, chance. right? Like yeah. that I felt at the start of this whole thing and kind of, you know, it kind of subsided when everyone's kind of got into it. But if you kind of think about all the challenges the world is facing now and kind of, you know, the threats that COVID po- poses just to your livelihood in the kind of world, it's very scary. And like... It is very scary, Nick. Kind of apocalyptic. Uh, it, it kind of has that vibe, you know? Yeah. And as you as you said last, as we talked about last week, the uh, the looming threat over the looming threat of uh, climate change that's only ten years away, I'd say, in terms of when it'll start to show real bad bad impacts because it's already showing pretty bad impacts now. I know, and Rob, the looming threat over the looming threat of that looming threat. Whoa, might even be China. Wow, Nick. What what is <laughs> and the looming of... threat over that looming? <laughs> no, no more looming threats. <laughs> oh, we should rename the podcast a looming threat. <laughs> That'd be a great idea. Yeah, that is a great idea, Nick. <laughs> the looming threat. Did you? I also heard that apparently the studies are looking into if COVID can give you long term brain damage, even if you don't die from it. Wow. So that's that's scary, right? That is scary. It, it'll be one that we don't really know the effects of until 10 years, 20 years down the track. Yeah. It'll be one of those real earth-shattering moments, I believe, to be honest. You know? Yeah, it'll just affect the whole kind of way, we, our whole kind of society and our culture, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing is, how do you do elections, which is a very important task? How do you do that for, during a pandemic, right? Well, the the common one that people think is an easier task than it actually is, is online voting. But that's proved to be quite ineffective because it's quite easy to, you know, vote twice and stuff like that on online elections and such. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Will postal voting become the new norm? What's going to happen, Nick? I just... It's... We are clearly not the experts on this topic. <laughs> I don't think anyone is, right? Yeah, but yeah, it's it's such even a, the experts aren't experts on exactly this stuff. such a year of change. You mm. know, in in the US, there uh, the states have just basically said they don't have enough money to to fund the election in November because more people will be, do, will be doing postal votes and the turnout is expected to be much higher than it has been historically because you know there's a lot of shit going on. Yeah, there's a fair bit going on in the US right now with, uh, you know, George Floyd's death and worldwide pandemic. Yeah. And Orange being the president. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the key <laughs> to all this, isn't it? Yeah. And I mean, like, what happens if the states, uh, I, there's a bill in the Senate right now um, that's been passed by the Democrats in the House that would give more money to the states, like as much as they need basically to run the elections but Republicans are blocking it. So it looks like it won't pass. Um, so what what happens if people contest the election result in November? Could the election be cancelled, Nick? I know they cancelled... Well, they didn't cancel, but they got rid of the term limits during FDR's reign in during World War II. Yeah, right. Eight, you know, eight years. 
could they just straight up cancel the election? Oh, but see, if they did that, it would just be an upset. You, you, I think you I would think literally you'd get be on more the, riots. You'd be on the brink of civil war. Yeah. Like, I think your, your Californians, the more rowdy, rowdy uh, bunch of them, aren't going to tolerate that kind of stuff. Right? Yeah, especially with, um, you know, the events surrounding George Floyd's death. Uh, I think a lot of people are quite uh, politically involved in the US right now. Yeah, I mean, I'd be really interested to see what the voter turnout is this year in the US. Me too, Nick. Me too. Um, because yeah, you'd hope that it's really high. That would be a, a big downer if it was just kind of like average or just a little bit higher. Yeah, it's a very um, good point. So, because it's a country that faces a lot of issues, Rob. There are a lot of issues around the world. Um, there are, Nick. You know what is an issue around the world right now, Nick? Oh, tell me, Rob. The um, China and India border dispute, which was occurred earlier this week. Or maybe even last week, actually. I think it was a... Well, a I think weeks a, ago, wait. I think it was in June. Okay, well, a month ago then. <laughs> We're really up We're to really date on this to, podcast. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Only contemporary news and facts on this <laughs> Well, Rob, do you, how much do you know about it? Do, give us a brief description, if you can. Well, I don't know a lot about this, to be honest with you, Nick. I'm not going to lie to you. There's we, not much to know. Yeah, we know that there was a, a brawl, pretty much, between... India and China's uh, military along their disputed border, the one that is north of Kashmir. They also have Anshul and Pradesh, I think it's called. Yeah, which me is and in Rob, the not good at pronouncing Indian names. No, so please don't. don't at us. Um, so yeah, India's borders, particularly yeah, Pakistan and China, are just a mess. Mm. We, we, we were actually looking at the borders uh, before this podcast to so- try and educate ourselves a little bit on this subject. And it was just too confusing for me anyways. I don't know about you, Nick. You're a bit smarter than me anyway, so I know that. <laughs> it is, when the, back when they partitioned the country after World War II, they just did a shit job, the, U, the UK did. Oh, yeah. Colonialism clearly Bad. has failed the world. Not good, right? Yeah. And I, think, I think that might be, have something to do with why the borders are just stupid. Yeah. Especially well, also since China annexed Tibet. Which is like another country there, so who knows what's going on there? Well, um, for our listeners, if you go onto Google Maps right now and just look at India's borders with its you know, neighboring countries to the north and east, particularly Kashmir and um, Anurachal Pradesh, I think it's the actual pronunciation. I don't know. Though, Good do on I? you, mate. I'll give it a try. Um, it's just like a sea of dotted lines. And, you know, everyone knows that's a disputed border on Google Maps. Maybe not everyone. Yeah. But it's just a sea of dotted lines. It's just so confusing. Like, even me and Nick, who we've done units that talk about India's grand strategy, Pakistan's grand strategy, and China's, you know. We've done so many units on China. We still don't... Well, I'm talking for myself here, but I'll throw you in this as well, Nick. We don't really know what's going on in these places, do we? Well, it's, you know, I think it takes a lot of time and effort to do the full research and have the full understanding. Um, oh, which you've done? <laughs> oh, yep. I think we can definitely put it in a broader context, uh, yeah. just kind of geostrategic context. Oh, I'd love to do that, Nick. Oh, well, why don't we, why don't we go right ahead and do that for everyone? <laughs> well, what happened is there was a big fight in a, in a kind of disputed area between uh, China and India, where they both claim sovereignty to that land. Um, and because of a treaty that was signed a few decades ago, no one is allowed to fire weapons along that disputed border, nor China, nor India. So they used clubs instead, like spiked clubs. Nice. 
Um, and it was, by all accounts, a horrific, really terrible brawl between the two sides. Um, I think 22 Indian soldiers died, um, uh, mainly of frostbite, I think, after they oh, were wow. kind of left stranded. There was like a, a helicopter rescue attempt, but it was dark and it was like very, very mountainous terrain. So it was... I find it really strange that two giant nuclear powers and probably what will become the two biggest nations ever let's throw it let's yeah, say that high populations um uh participating in fist fights well not fist fights but you know weapon, brawl. Yeah, yeah rather than you know when they've got these nuclear weapons and all these weapons i just find it quite I don't want to say funny because men have died here, but yeah. I find it really strange. Ironic, right? Yeah, ironic. It's like a battle now. of the giants. Yeah. But they're all kind of using like, I don't know, they're Medieval each weapons. Other. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. strange. Um, there's a YouTube video apparently of some of the fight, which is... Wow. I'm going mean, to have to have a look at that. I haven't watched it. Um, it's probably pretty gory. <laughs> yeah, I'd imagine. I, um, I can't imagine it's still on YouTube if it is gory. Yeah. But like... Isn't this crazy? Like, so China allegedly killed 22 Indian soldiers, um, but I think they called, the, the two generals responsible for the area kind of called it off, called a ceasefire. Yeah. But that is just, you know, 22 casualties of like a conflict, right? Between two, mm-hmm. as you said, very powerful states. Yeah. Not good, right? And the the more concerning thing here is that India and China have had longstanding issues for pretty much since the death of um, the original Nehru. Mm. Um, yeah. I can't remember his first name now. But that was in like 1966. Um, so they've had issues ever since then really, um, which you know, is for a number of reasons, you know, um, namely Pakistan <laughs> and China's alliance with Pakistan. Um, but it's... It's very complicated. Yeah, well, to simplify a complicated kind of array of different countries, India is predominantly the um, Hindu kind of country where Pakistan is uh, Muslim. Um, And they have a lot of uh, bad blood going back a long time. There's disputed borders like Kashmir, everyone's kind of familiar with. So they're not friends. They hate each other. Yep. Um, Both nuclear armed. Uh, And then historically, China has backed in Pakistan yeah. As a kind of move to piss off India because they have a lot of disputed territory. Yeah. Basically. M- very well put, Nick. Thank yeah. You. China invaded India um, in the 60s or 70s. Um, yeah. So, and, you know, that was in the context as well of India not being friends with the US, but instead siding with the Russians, the Soviets back in the day. Yeah. So they had a Soviet tilt um, pretty much since the 70s. They, um, were give, they had a free trade agreement with the Soviets, um, which basically said that it wasn't really a free trade agreement. It was like a barter agreement. Yeah, they just bought the oil for a good price, I think. They bought the oil for a good price and traded it for these terrible vehicles. I think they were called like the Imperials or something. And they are like one of the worst cars ever made. <laughs> <laughs> That's how communism worked back in the day. Yeah. And, you know, the Indians used the... They're called flying coffins. They're a type of Soviet 
jet that would just sometimes just fall out of the sky. Yeah, as, classic. As all jets do. Oh, a bit of Cold War history. Yeah. Um, and that was, of course, at the time where the Russian, after the Sino-Soviet split in 1971, yeah. where China and Russia stopped being buds. Yeah. So, so that was the sort of, I guess, a, some sort of an origin towards their bad blood. But now that's almost swapped entirely with the US increasing their relations with India. Mm. Most notably, I think Donald Trump went to India uh, earlier last, maybe last year or earlier this yeah, year. Yeah, to meet with Modi, yep. Indian Prime Minister. Um, and they've clearly increased their relationships. I think that's maybe, it could be because they're such great buds, but I think it's due to, you know, a, f- a friend of my, uh, uh, enemy is my enemy is my friend, I think it's the saying. Yeah, exactly. Um and, you know, it's like you said, it's actually a very uh, kind of uneasy relationship between India and the US because they have that bad blood historically, but it's the kind of ne- the threat that China poses has kind of forced them into this relationship. Yeah. And Australia is very much a part of that as well. Yeah, I think Australia has also tried to increase their uh, relationship with India. Yeah, because China does a lot of stuff to piss off India um, kind of outside of the border disputes, which already are kind of a, a very tense issue between the two powers. China also set it, sets up its so-called String of Pearls, the um, One Belt, One Road initiative, yeah. which are basically is a huge infrastructure project building like ports, like shipping and also military ports throughout yeah. um, the kind of east towards the west to Africa. Mm-hmm. And one of those ports has been on Sri um, Lanka, Sri Lanka, there have been some in, uh, I think, Myanmar, mm. a lot of those countries near India. Very close to India, yeah. In the Indian Ocean, which you, know, you would think is controlled by India. The the Indian Ocean, fun fact about the Indian Ocean, the Indians actually think that is their ocean, fun fact. Yeah, well, at least uh, <laughs> the kind of bit that's close to India. Yeah. It would make sense, but... um, Yeah, I remember, well, I don't remember, but I've been there? told oh. that um, when... Uh, that military base I think it might have been or maybe just a naval port was built in Sri Lanka India had a pretty stern word with Sri Lanka Mm. saying if you do that again we will like just annihilate you I know and it's like that that continent that area of Asia kind of has a history of just invasions before I mean you saw Bangladesh used to be I think part of India so yeah Bangladesh was um, part of the the old British Empire, mm. um, and then it was called Pakistan was split into two. One was oh, it's West, part of Pakistan, wasn't it? I think it was East Pakistan and West Pakistan. Whoops, West Pakistan. Microphone bump. West. I'll pa- cut it out. Don't worry, Rob. <laughs> I feel like normal. Hey, Rob, act normal, Devin. Don't worry. West Pakistan was yeah? uh, what is modern day Bangladesh, and I think they were they were given independence by India due to some war. Yeah. Most likely over Kashmir. Yeah. It's a, it's, there's a lot of history, isn't there? <laughs> there is a lot of history here and we haven't even begun to scratch the surface and we have a little bit of knowledge in this circuit, in this part. Yeah. I mean, I think, I, I, I don't know about you. Uh, you, can, you can fill us in after, but I think the most kind of important thing for me, the big take out of this border dispute in the context of everything else is that China is carving a big kind of ring of enemies and it's, mm. it's really doing a good job of it at the moment. So you got Japan, right? They hate, they don't like each other. Japan and China always hated each they other. They have disputed much. islands, <laughs> right? South China Sea dispute, Google it. There's the US, obviously. There's Australia and New Zealand, who, you know, we sided the US. China is also fucking with us. There's Indonesia, who has disputed islands with China, right? They're also not friends. A lot of those Southeast Asian countries 
and now India, which has a huge population, right? And it's you know, not not to be kind of sidelined. They're a big deal. Yeah, and another thing about India is they have a slightly more authoritarian government. It is still a democracy and stuff, but the their levels of democracy aren't as high as it is in Australia. Mm. And I have no real doubt that if a war was ever to break out between China and let's just say the rest of the world, because that's what it will be if China ever makes the mistake of actually declaring war. Um, I have no doubt that India would just harness its huge population to, you know, make the most of itself. Yeah, it's almost like a kind of um, a challenge to the legitimacy of, of both countries because they both have mega populations, right? Mm. Both kind of been... Um, a victim of colonial exploitation, India definitely more so, but China also experienced that as well. Um, And it's kind of like, how did they manage their countries after the Second World War? China took one path, India took another, and now China's GDP is much higher. So there's a bit of a kind of um, honor game here, Rob, I think as well. Did you say after the Second World War? Yeah. Uh, I think they took pretty similar path after the Second World War. I think well, after in, in, the in fall of the of, Soviet Union is probably your oh yeah your true. Real well, turning point. Well, economically though, I guess they. I don't know what India did really. Yeah, China obviously so, yeah, under Mao didn't I do did well. an economics assignment on India actually, so I can fill you in here. Oh yeah, fill me in, mate. <laughs> so economically, China uh, India was a semi um, socialist state for a long time, oh. right up until ninety one when they had a debt crisis. Um, and basically they couldn't, no one could pay off their debts in India and, um, the world bank had to come in and save them. But they said like, if you want us to do this, you have to open up your economy and become a free market. Uh, so India were like, well, we have no choice. We have to do this. That sounds more plausible than what I said. Yeah. So that 91 was the turning point where India became a capitalist nation. Before then it was very, there was a lot of government, um, authorities you know the government had full control over i think their rail service yeah their mobile phone services and a lot of a lot of things that would make it pretty much impossible to do business in india because there was just so much red tape that you know capitalist nations couldn't be bothered and that's the struggle for india contemporary contemporarily as well is to get rid of that red tape in a way that will boost the economy right yes and they're struggling with that for sure Um, yeah well modi did a lot of work on that issue, he talked about government corruption was one of his major um, selling points for his election campaign in 2014. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Very very controversial figure, I'll say Modi. We can Modi, talk about that yeah. another time. Modi is very controversial. Yeah, kind of a Hindu nationalist, allegedly. Um, but <laughs> He does yeah. have history of it, yes. Yeah. Well, I think China got that 20-year head start, right, for kind of opening uh, yeah. up. They did, definitely. So I think you know, China is the more powerful economy, but India has that potential. And India also has a higher birth rate now than China, which, I mean, a lot of countries have a higher birth rate than China now. Their their population is in decline, I believe. Well, they did some... (laughs) They fucked with it a little bit with the one-child policy. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Uh, Yeah, so it is a very, very important border dispute, this one, because it's two incredibly important powers in the international system. Yeah, I mean, too, that I think the, a rivalry that's not really talked about in the West definitely as much as other rivalries, but equally important now, right? So, yeah, I think the ring is kind of alarming. Um, it is, isn't it? Especially Nick? given the kind of things that China is saying and doing now to Australia as well. So Yeah, yeah. I agree, Nick. Well... We've, we, unfortunately, we've run out of time. We have run out of time. Um, but yeah, if you have any, if 
Guys, that was a bit of a listener recommendation as well, that one. If you have any more recommendations for topics, anything you want to talk about, just please just let us know. Yeah, we'd, we'd love to hear about it. Um, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Swill. Rate us five stars on uh, Apple Podcasts. It's the yeah. only, only one you can rate us, by the way. Yeah. Um, and make sure you tune in next week for our mystical guest. Ooh, mystery guest. All right. On the road. Thank you very much, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you later.